I remember this conversation well. I was a young man, and I was talking to a judge about justice. And I asked him about the times that the justice system didn't provide true justice. When the truth did not prevail, and someone was put into prison wrongly or worse. And I remember how angry my question made him. His perspective was that as long as the the due process for justice was followed, then justice was done. And And I kept pushing him. I said, what about when we get it wrong? How can we do better? But for him, as long as the process, the rule of law is followed, that, that is true justice. End of story. His response was chilling to me. I guess I expected a judge of all people to acknowledge that sometimes human beings, we just get it wrong. And that there's always room for improvement. For me, true justice is when truth with a capital T is done when the truth of God wills out. And no one should be satisfied with a broken system and just call it good. Because human justice, or if we use the old phrase, the king's justice, tends to favor those with power and money. That's what the Israelites discovered. Last week, we heard the prophet Jeremiah warning the nation that if they didn't care about justice for the poor, for widows and orphans, that was the phrase that they would use to talk about the poor, that they didn't concern themselves with that, with widows and orphans, the nation would fall because God expected the nation to provide justice and mercy. And when the nation did fall, and the people of Israel lost their freedom and their power, they began to sing a different tune. Jeremiah's scribe, a man named Baruch, was separated from Jeremiah during the exile. And Baruch went on to write a song to those whose nation had fallen. Hear those words now. Take off your mourning clothes and oppression, Jerusalem. Dress yourself in the dignity of God's glory forever. Wrap the justice that comes from God around yourself like a robe. Place the eternal one's glory on your head like a crown. God will show your brilliance everywhere under heaven. God will give you this name by which to be called forever the peace that comes from justice, the honor that comes from reverence for God. Get up, Jerusalem. Stand on the high place and walk around to the east. See your children gathered from the west to the east by the Holy One's word, as they rejoice that God has remembered them. 
I love that phrase. Wrap the justice that comes from God around yourself like a robe. The nation that had once failed to concern itself with justice and mercy for the poor was now singing a different song. Now that they were no longer having any say in the making of laws or of justice being carried out fairly, all of a sudden they were very interested in the peace that comes from justice. It's funny how that works. When you or yours do not feel that the the company that you work for, the nation or the community in which you live actually cares about your safety or well-being. When those in power claim that the system is just when you know that it's not. The lawyer Brian Stevenson recalls a memory that has caused him to work his entire life for true justice. Take a look. I've been thinking a lot recently about an incident that took place when I was a little boy. My mom saved up enough money for my sister and I to get on a church bus trip to the new Disney World that had just opened up. I remember being so excited about it because not only were we going to go to Disney World, we would be staying in a hotel and the hotel would have a swimming pool. My sister and I had never been in a real swimming pool. As we pulled into the hotel, my sister started squealing. As soon as the bus stopped, she grabbed me and we went streaking over to this pool. I grabbed her hand and we jumped high in the air and we landed in that pool and it was as glorious as I had imagined it would be. It was just unbelievable. And we were having such fun. And then I realized that chaos had broken out around us. White parents were frantically running into the water, snatching their children violently out of the pool. And I was looking at my sister, I was looking, trying to figure out what is going on. Finally, there was one little boy left in the pool. And this big guy came, he snatched him by the arm and lifted him out of the water. And the little boy started crying hysterically. I turned to that white man and I said, what's wrong? And he gave me this look and he said, You're wrong, nigger. We got out of the pool and I ran to my mom. And when I told her what the man said, she looked at me and she said, you get back in that pool. She said, don't you let those people run you from that pool. What I remember most vividly from that trip is getting back in the pool and standing in the corner of the pool, holding my sister's hand and desperately trying not to cry. There was no room in the pool for the likes of Brian and his sister. When you or yours do not feel that the the company that you work for, the, the nation or the community in which you live actually cares about your safety or your well-being, when those in powers claim that the system is just, when you know, when you know it's not. 
that can compel you to stand up and to, to speak out for justice. Do you think that it was an accident of fate that Jesus was born to an unmarried couple living in poverty? That there was no room for the likes of them in the end? Could Jesus have done what he did, been who he was without that perspective, without knowing the experience of being marginalized? I think God knew quite well why Jesus couldn't have been born to the high priest or to a wealthy family in Jerusalem. Proclaiming a new kingdom of justice comes from those who know what it is to not have a say in the making of the laws or of justice being carried out. It was not an accident that Brian Stevenson has devoted his life to improving the justice system in this nation. He knows as did Jesus, what it means when there is no room for you, no place at the table. Christ's church, it came together not to found a new religion, but to continue Jesus' proclamation of of good news, of gospel to the poor, to those without freedom, those without a place at the table. Communion was supposed to be an example, a demonstration of a vision where all, absolutely everyone is welcome. Everyone has a place at the table. The Apostle Paul encouraged that early church to decide what really matters. Hear his prayer now. This is my prayer, that your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and with all kinds of insight. I pray this so that you will be able to decide what really matters and so that you will be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. I pray that you will then be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes from Jesus Christ, in order to give glory and praise to God. What the Apostle Paul found was that it's not enough just for individuals to decide what really matters. That's important. But individuals, we tend to look after our own desires first, and to not necessarily see our neighbor's situation. Church, because it was open to everyone, was supposed to be a community that listened and responded to the needs of those who don't have a voice in the laws with the justice being carried out upon them. Church was supposed to care for the safety and and the well-being of all people. Church was supposed 
supposed to continue the, the core values that Jesus lived, that he died for. How are we doing? What are we deciding really matters at this moment so that we may be sincere and blameless before the Lord? Christmas is something of an annual stress test on the heart of the church. Yes, Christmas should affect us as individuals to, to look at our lives and our priorities, but it shouldn't stop there. Because as individuals, we will tend to look after our own desires first and not necessarily to see our neighbor's situation. The great gift of being church, if we're doing it right, is that we are connecting with neighbors we might not normally see. We're hearing the stories of immigrants, people of color, the poor, the forgotten, and the marginalized. If we're doing this right, we are making ourselves a little uncomfortable and not being satisfied with a broken system by just calling it good enough. Christmas tests our hearts. It asks us to to look around and decide what truly matters. It asks us to look at the places in our world where true justice is lacking and not being content with that. Because the consequences of failing to speak out do not ultimately only affect those who currently have no place at the table. The prophets of old warned time and again that the consequences of neglecting the common good will fall on all of us. Jesus believed that humanity could live better, that we could decide, we could choose a better way, a a way that is good news for all people. I still believe in that way. I still believe that Christ's church has the blueprint for connecting with neighbors that we normally, normally wouldn't see and ensuring that everyone, everyone has a place at the table. If we do this right, we're about to celebrate the holy meal of communion. Sometimes in this meal, this this sacrament, sometimes we experience a, a connection to God. You can feel it. God also wants this meal to be a connection with one another, a symbol that everyone has a place of dignity. Our communion these days is no longer just for those who show up here in a certain place. 
And even as I consecrate the elements, we know that God's Spirit reaches out to everyone, connecting online, maybe in other church traditions, to people of faith and to those who claim no faith. If God is God, then everyone is a beloved child of God. And that is central. That is a central value to the justice of this holy communion and what it represents. So please, I hope you know how welcome you are and how much we need you in order to be Christ's church.